this evening. Ten. 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 Make sure the smile goes round. <laughs> Do at least ten. Hallelujah. Thank you. Amen. In all of that, nobody welcomed me except the... No, it's fine. Thank you. (laughs) It's late. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. You know, when I said welcome 10 people, I did it so that some people would, you know, move out of their seats. Some people are professionals. They can, they can welcome 10 people and stand on the same spot. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, move, move. Hallelujah. All right. We started last week on the series, uh, The Gifts of the Holy Spirit. How many people were here last week? And you were blessed to some extent. I believe that God opened our eyes um, to see his will concerning the gifts of the Spirit. A lot of us have read from uh, that text, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I believe 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 are very important chapters for any and every believer to read. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit or outlines the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14 talks about uh, largely demonstrations of the gifts of the Spirit and applications of the gifts of the Spirit. And 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love. I believe love is very important in this equation, and I hope to be able to say more about that um, in this service. But it's very important. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And out of all of that, you're going to have questions. You're going to have questions to ask the Holy Spirit and ask him to guide you you know, and teach you uh, more about these things. A lot of us have seen these gifts in manifestation, in operation. Um, Many believe this gift is for pastors alone. But everyone here constitutes what the Bible calls the body of Christ. And that body has to be fully functioning, every part supplying what it should supply. Now, if that body is fully functioning, then the gifts have to go around. We read last week from 1 Corinthians 12 that the Holy Spirit gives severally as he wills. And I said that the distribution and the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit are at the discretion of the Holy Spirit. He gives them severally. So you may not have all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I don't think I have all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You may have, you know, five of the twelve of the, of the nine, you know, main gifts of the Holy Spirit. And there are many other gifts. Don't get me wrong. It's not an exhaustive list. There's the gifts of helps. Hallelujah. There's the gift of helps. You know, people who are just good at at helping. There's, there's actually the, the gift of giving. Tra- some translation will call it the grace for giving. There, there are people who are gifted to give. Hallelujah. There's, there's the gift of an eunuch. Amen. I, I believe that uh, Paul was gifted to be an eunuch. An eunuch means, you know, he, he's, he, he, it was part of his calling not to get married. You know, Paul even said, I would rather that you did not stay married. You know, because when you get married, then your attention is divided and stuff like that. Now, that takes an anointing. You agree? 
<laughs> that takes an anointing. So there, 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 there are other gifts like that. But, you know, these ones are the, uh, the main gifts that we usually see in demonstration, in manifestation, in the local body, and in our meetings. And if you read First Corinthians 14, um, it centers largely around these nine gifts um, that we highlighted last week. And I'm going to continue on today. I spoke last week, and I want to say, I'll, I'll say a few things, and then I'll pick up from where I stopped last week. The gifts come to confirm the word. Hallelujah. The gifts are not for show. You know what service should really look like? Service should look like this. Pastor should come. He should preach on a subject. Hallelujah. And then God confirms his word with signs following. That's why Paul said that, you know, when I came unto you, I came not in word only, but in power. The Bible says the kingdom of God is not in word only, but in demonstration of the power and of the spirit. So the, the, the gifts of the spirit come because God's word ought to be backed up with signs following. So what we want is a church where somebody comes to preach about healing, and then after preaching about healing, you know, you do a theory, then you do practical, isn't it, when you go to school. So after teaching about healing, then he calls for a healing line and starts to lay hands on people, and we see practical healing taking place. Only then is the word complete. You understand that? Only then is the gospel complete. That is why it's important as a believer to know your gift within the body of Christ. Because there are times when we will, I mean, we ought to be able to know in the church who has a gift of prophecy. Hallelujah. Pastor ought to be able to call on one of our ministers, one of our leaders, one of our cluster heads and say, pray for this person. He, uh, you know, he has this particular sickness. I believe you are gifted specially in this area. That's what the New Testament church should look like. And we are a New Testament church. Hallelujah. So the gifts... Uh, come to confirm the word in Mark 16, the 20th verse, the Bible says, They went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming his word with signs following. God confirms his words with signs following. In Hebrews chapter 2, the third and the fourth verses, it says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. So you see here God backing up his word with signs and wonders. I wrote here that the gifts serve to confirm God's word. They are meant to be like a bell that we ring to call people to the knowledge of God and into a deeper relationship with him. Hallelujah. Signs convict Signs touch. Signs change minds. Hallelujah. Sometimes it takes someone walking into a meeting and seeing a practical demonstration of the power of God to be convinced and convicted that indeed God is in this place. Sometimes it takes you reaching out to someone in a word of prophecy and revealing the thoughts of his heart. Hallelujah. You see, because... Um, we're all flesh, right? We are all born into this world, and we all communicate primarily through our five senses. It is, it is that that gave birth to what you call the point of contact. So when Paul would pray upon handkerchiefs in the New Testament and say, take this handkerchief, 
go and lay it upon your sick brother or sick sister at home. The power is not in the handkerchief itself. It's still in your faith. But what happens is that that point of contact, that physical thing you see, sometimes helps your faith. Hallelujah. So you have examples like the anointing oil. Amen. There are denominations where, where they pray on water. And I'm not, I'm not coming down on that. It's a point of contact. They pray on water and they say, you know, take this water home, go and drink it. I, I grew up uh, in, a, in a CAC uh, uh, setting. I mean, Anglican, but my grandmother had a, you know, had a good influence on us, and she was very strong CAC. And we would go to those churches whenever she was in town. You know, they would uh, pray on water. We would drink the water, feel good about it. If we're having a bath, my grandmother would pour some of that in the bath. Am I talking to somebody? Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Some years ago, I still went to, there's a place called uh, EKG. Uh-huh. We know the people in the... <laughs> You understand that? And that's where the, the, the late prophet Ayobabalola started his ministry. You know, I saw the tractor he was driving when the Lord called him. It still has this federal ministry of works and housing uh, thing on it. But you see, it's a point of contact. Then they have a lake. Oh no, well, they just have a pool of water. It is green. Believe me, there's a lot of you know, slime and dirt in there. But people jump in there. People receive practical healings from there. Hallelujah. So these things are faith helps, as it were. Yeah? They aid our faith. So, um, where did I stop? Okay, I'll say one other thing. There's a difference between charisma and character. And it's very important that we do not place the gifts where they do not belong. The gift is charisma. It is a gift. It is a gift. You did not work for it. You did not work hard enough to earn it. The Holy Spirit distributes them severally as he wills. I have seen some of the nastiest people operate in the gifts of the Spirit. The problem, however, is that true Christianity rests on the believer's character. So when we talk character, we talk fruits of the Spirit. If you go to Galatians chapter 5, it talks about uh, love, talks about kindness, talks about patience. Those are fruits of the Spirit. It is a fruit because discipline is involved. Because you have taken time to plant a seed. You have taken time to water that seed. You have taken time to see that seed bring forth. That is what sustains us in life. You cannot go through life operating in the gifts of the Spirit. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that the greatest of these is love. In fact, he says in verse, uh, chapter 14 verse 1, he says, pursue love earnestly. He says, then also the gifts of the Spirit, that, uh, especially that you may prophesy. So he placed love ahead of those other things. So don't be surprised if God uses someone you don't like or someone you have a mindset about. You know, you see someone operating the gift of the Spirit, you say, ah, you? <laughs> or you too. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> no, no, no. God is sovereign. He will have mercy on whom he will have mercy. He will have compassion on whom he will have compassion. Thank God he doesn't ask your neighbor before he blesses you. Amen. And thank God the person sitting beside you is not God. Say, God, I want to bless today. What do you think? Mm, let me think about it. Call me tomorrow. <laughs> Say, God, I couldn't reach you yesterday. My life was really busy. You know how many people are calling me every day? <laughs> every now and then they say, God, I thank God you are God. Nobody else. This person who just spoke to me, if he was God, uh-huh. we're all in trouble. Hallelujah. 
So God will operate in the gifts through any and everyone. It's as he wills. Paul was talking to the believers. He said, I'm a born servant of God. Uh, if indeed you believe in the grace of God upon my life towards you. So God will put grace upon a minister, upon a pastor, upon his children towards the body of Christ. That is not his anointing for living. That is not his personal anointing. Believe you me, pastor can come here and preach on faith. He still needs to go home and trust God to build his own faith to receive results for his personal life. So he's not receiving results because he's pastor. When he steps up here, there's a grace upon his life towards you. That's how much God loves you. He will use anyone and anything. In the Old Testament, he spoke through a donkey. <laughs> if it comes to that, he will. Yeah? So, so don't come to the place where you're judging, can God use this, can God not use this? No, they are gifts. They are gifts. If I take a, a million naira now and throw it up in the air and everybody rushes to get it, does it depend on, uh, on how blessed you are or what job you did? No, it's, it's just a gift. It's everybody. Hallelujah. You see, so the next time somebody walks in the word of knowledge, thank God for their lives, but don't exalt them. Yeah, don't exalt them. You get what I'm saying? Rather, I would, I would rather you exalted someone who walked in love, someone who showed patience, someone who shows kindness, someone who shows long-suffering. Those are true fruits of the Spirit. Those are the things that mark out a true believer. Okay, so last week we stopped at the gift, the discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits. I said there that here God gives you insight into the realm of the spirit, whether good or bad. It's not always about demons. Hallelujah. And I said, you know, it, it, it could even do about meetings. It could have to do with meetings, with relationships. You know, we went, we, we, used, the, we used the Yoruba word last week. Uh, you know, it says, I, I, I sense, I, yeah, you know, I don't want to, for our, for our internet audience, let's... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But, but it's, it's almost like a, a door opens into the spirit realm. Hallelujah. It could involve seeing physical demons. It could involve seeing angels. I remember back in school then, we had finished a service, Pastor Godman preached. And then there was this chap who sat at the back of the hall. And he was crying. I happened to be an usher then. And we were clearing up the hall. And I said, uh, Chairman, you know, we're about to close... Uh, the whole was going on, and he was crying, and he was crying. And I asked him what's going on, and we sat down, and he said when pastor was preaching, he had, all he could see was an angel, and he saw this big white wings. You understand what I'm saying? What happened really was that he was sleeping when, that's why you shouldn't sleep when pastor is preaching. He was sleeping when pastor was, <laughs> he was sleeping when pastor was preaching, you know, and he felt a hand wake him up. And when he opened his eyes, all he could see were this big white, you know, wings, behind the pastor. And the lesson there is don't sleep when pastor is preaching. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. I told you once about uh, an open vision that I had when I woke up in the morning. I was lying in bed um, and my stomach was like that of a pregnant woman. How many people have heard that before? I said it before. And I could see on that stomach a black frog. Now that is a, a gift of, a, of discerning of spirits. And the frog, the black frog was talking to me about destroying someone's pregnancy that was very close to me. And how I delayed calling the person for three days... 
And when I, because I thought, okay, I'm going to see them, you know, in Lagos. Uh, the person hasn't spoken to me in a while. Uh, you know, you, you know I, I just knew when I called her, she's going to say, where have you been? Where are you? Where have you? I'm like, I wasn't ready for all that. So I said, I'm going to delay three days. I'm going to be in Lagos. On the third day when I got to Lagos, um, her water had broken at three months and she had lost the baby. Hallelujah. Now, that was a gift of the sign of spirits. I remember I walked into the house that day, and my sister was very quiet. What's going on? Oh, so-so person says her water broke. They've rushed out to the hospital. And so I called her, and she said to me, I am dying. You know what I'm saying? And I said, you know, we're going to pray that, that, that. But I was breaking down so bad, and I was crying because I felt personally responsible. Three days before, the Lord had showed me, and I did nothing about it. Yeah, that's a gift of discerning of spirit. And it's good you understand the application of these things. You walk into a meeting and you just feel all wrong. Something is not right here. I cannot put my finger on it. It's like you have this spiritual antenna that goes up. It's, it's almost some extra sensitivity, if you get what I'm saying. And it's at that point you need to check and you need to pray and you need to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say to me? Why am I feeling all wrong about this meeting? Why am I feeling all wrong about this relationship? A lot of us have gone into, into, into uh, business deals. And when it all broke down, you said, and something was telling me. That wasn't something. That was someone. That was the person of the Holy Spirit. You, you, just, you just discerned. I don't know why that Yoruba word just, just flows. It sounds better. Amen. You just you discerned. You discerned. I believe that the gift of discernment is vital for, uh, for Christian ministry um, because it is linked to casting out of demons. Jesus never, ever, ever sent out his disciples to heal the sick without also asking them to cast out demons. Never, ever. Never, ever. So I believe that this ministry, and, 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 and I'm not saying that to say that every believer has the gift of discerning of spirits. But I'm saying every believer should at least be able to stand in the word against spiritual activity. Against spiritual activity. Every believer should be able to stand in the word against spiritual activity. I remember I got home last night and I still had to come up with seven prayer points for someone whose father was in the uh, occult. And who had just discovered that her father was in the occult. Amen. And, and I'm asking God, you need to show me where and how this person can stand in the gap on behalf of a man who is refusing. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're finding scriptures like, you know, God is looking for someone to stand in the gap. You're finding scriptures like when uh, um, uh, Lot was negotiating. Was it Lot? No. Um, sorry. Abraham was negotiating with God. Oh, what if I find, what if you find uh, 30? What if you find 25? It, that, that takes some spiritual wisdom. That takes some ability to divide the truth. But it's somewhere there in the word. You should be able to stand in God's word against spiritual activity. Every believer 
can do that. In Mark 16, the 17th and the 18th verses, it says, This sign shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Jesus, uh, oh yeah, and they shall recover. That's verses 17 and 18. Do you know Jesus said in John chapter 6 and the 70th verse, he said, Did I myself not choose you, the 12, yet one of you is a devil? Somebody messes up in your organization and they say, ah, but you interviewed him when you said he was fine. Jesus interviewed 12 people. 12. Not 100. And one was a thief. <laughs> one was a devil. He was carrying the offering. Isn't, doesn't God have a sense of humor? Who will I make the treasurer of this group? And he knew. That's the funniest part. I would think of someone like Peter, you know, who I knew would stand and contend for the faith. I said, no. <laughs> Let's see if you can steal enough to make me poor. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> All right. In, in, I'll, show you, I'll show you a clear example. Go to Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 18. A clear example. Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 18. You know, I tell people, don't be moved by the spectacular. The spectacular is not necessarily the spiritual. Somebody is not more spiritual because he fell under the spirit or he somersaulted under the spirit. No, those things don't move me. Hallelujah. Ah, pastor, he's a powerful man. Who, you know, the minute he saw me. Listen, uh, uh, Moses got to, uh, to Pharaoh and he took his rod and he threw it on the floor and it became a snake. You know what Pharaoh did? He called his magicians. Everybody threw their thing. Everything became snakes. Tell anybody I'm not moved. <laughs> Amen. Everything became snakes. So you see, uh, the Bible calls him, uh, the Bible says he masquerades. That's the devil. Even as an angel of light. Look at this in, in, in Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 18. The Bible says, now it happened. As we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us. Who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. The girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And, uh, and he came out of her that hour. What happened here is this. Somebody comes to Paul and he's giving in quote a word of knowledge. You see where the spirit of divination comes in. You're not meant to be in every church. You're not meant to be in every Christian gathering. Some guy then back in school started a ministry called the Zero Hour Prophetic Ministry. See, I get worried when I hear things like that. There was one Christ Apostolic Deliverance Evangelistic Ministry. Only you. You should leave some for us. <laughs> but you see, I, 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 my antenna really goes up where I, when I hear stuff like that. He was the guy who came to me and said, Pastor T, I was praying now and the Holy Spirit said to me, leave everything you are doing and go to Pastor Tunde and ask him for all his equipment. He's going to give you. <laughs> I said, okay, somebody is lying. And it's not God. 
You see that? So, the spirit of discernment will make you realize fakes. Amen. Imposters. He says some will come in the last days and they will give themselves over to seducing spirits. They will have itching ears. Hallelujah. I even tell people when they come for a first, uh, the first time, I said, if God has put it in your heart to be a part of this church, please find the grace and strength to continue. If God has not put it in your heart to be a part of this church, I believe that a tree can only grow where God has planted it. It's as simple as that. When we get to heaven, we're not going to kill according to church. Gabriel will say, okay, elevation. Ah, you guys. Open the gate. (laughs) So where's Pastor G? Where's Pastor G? (laughs) It's not going to work like that. Every man will bear his father's name. (laughs) Amen. So so when we get to heaven, (laughs) you know, at the gate... They'll first check your name on the, you know, all those things we watched in, uh, (laughs) they'll first check your name on the list. God help you if you use your middle name all the time. (laughs) Check your name on the list. And then if it's not there, say, okay, oh, no, that's my middle name. So, ah, it's not. (laughs) Of course, you know, that's all a joke. It's not going to work like that. Amen. We We grew up watching films where people, where the devil wore a cape. Amen. And if he was going to manifest in human form, he would wear jerry curls. <laughs> jerry curls. Those jerry curls, I see those were meant to be horns. <laughs> he wear jerry curls and a skirt like that. Just, just below the knee, not above. Amen. Below. If the skirt wasn't sweeping the floor, you were not, uh, you were not a child of God. And so when the lady is going past, I say, ah, we're in perilous times. <laughs> Nonsense. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So, so that there is the gift of discerning of spirits. And I believe sincerely that every believer should earnestly covet this gift. It, it, it's a good guide for life. The Bible says the steps of the righteous man, they are ordered of the Lord. A good way to have your steps ordered is to have the gift of discerning of spirits. There are times I wake up. Haven't you had that before where you just woke up and you just felt wrong in your spirit? You, you couldn't put a finger on it. And that's the, that's, that's the thing about discerning of spirit. Many a times you can't even point it out. It's an alarm. It's a warning. It's a discerning. It's a fura. <laughs> I love that word, honestly. I wish you could just bring it into the English, the English language. It's, ah, jeez. Uh, you know, there's some passion involved in, you know, that word when you say it. It doesn't sound like discerned. Amen. All right. That's the gift of faith. The gift of faith. The gift of faith. We saw that from 1 Corinthians 12. That was our golden text, by the way, um, from last week. The gift of faith. Now, the gift of faith, I would rather call the gift of special faith. Because if we don't call it that, then we start to think that faith is a gift. Hallelujah. Faith is, every, every believer has access to faith. In fact, the first time you walked in faith was when you gave your life to Christ. That whosoever believes should not perish, but have eternal life. It took whosoever to believe. You understand that? So the first time an unbeliever walks in faith is when he has enough faith to believe. 
and accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. After that, you begin to walk a life of faith. The Bible says in Habakkuk chapter, uh, chapter 4, is it chapter 4 or chapter 2? That the just shall live by his faith. So faith is a way of life. Faith is not a switch that you turn on or, and you turn off when you feel like. That is faith. Romans 12, 3 says indeed that God has dealt unto every man the measure of faith. So God gives unto every man the measure of faith. We then build upon that measure of faith. So faith can grow. The disciples came to God once and they said increase our faith. He said if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can see unto this mountain. Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. And it will obey you. So you see dimensions of faith there. You see grades of faith. There's mustard seed faith. Faith can be increased. There's mighty faith. But here there's the gift of faith. Or the gift of special faith. I said here this is special faith. Not the one every believer has been dealt. As in Romans 12.3. It is given by the Holy Spirit. And I've noticed at special times to achieve special things. It is like a stronger version of faith that we all walk in. Let me give an example. You know what they call a Red Bull? You know Red Bull? Good. Or any other caffeine shot. I'm not even sure if Red Bull itself is a caffeine shot. But you see, you have some things. Uh, 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 back in the, the UK, you have some small bottles like that. That small bottle is powerful. It's packed almost with raw caffeine. Amen. This is different from a cup of coffee. This is closer to drugs. You get what I'm saying? So it's one thing to want to stay awake to read at night and you mix a cup of coffee. Sometimes that exam requires a higher level. (laughs) I mean, you all went to school. You know what I'm talking about. That exam requires a high level of coffee. So you leave the one that everybody... Then you take that shot. So, I said here, it is like a stronger version of the faith that we all walk walk in. You can almost call it a burst of faith. Amen. It's a gift of special faith. Archbishop Benson Dahosa was uh, was in Ghana once at uh, Bishop Duncan Williams' church. And he was inspecting the facility. And one of the uh, workers, one of the workers... Um, fell. And he said the guy fell and you could see his head broke. There and then. And everybody is screaming out, what does that bishop do? He runs there and he grabs his head and puts it together. Amen. Now, when the gift of faith or special faith is in operation, you don't stop to think. Did you hear me? No, no, no. If you stop to think, you will be overwhelmed by what you're about to do. It comes with a huge shot of boldness. Hallelujah. We were in school once and there was courtism all over the place. And Pastor Godman called us together and we started to pray. You know what we did that night? We went around the whole school and we started to anoint everywhere. Even the pool tables that I used to uh, govern. I used to be the HOD there. You know, and we started to anoint everywhere. And we were praying and we were marching around the school. I remember, I cannot forget this. We got to the, um, to the Kegites place. They had their gyration joint. And we stayed there and we prayed and pastor poured oil on it. And we moved on. The following week, I was coming from school. 
um, from lectures. And I saw a huge fire consuming that place. And nobody could explain where that fire came from. A while later, the pool table was taken out. It became a boring school. I'm joking. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. That, see, it takes, it takes a gift of special faith yeah, to walk up to a cultist. Can you hear me? Somebody who says he's in AA, is in, you know. Some people say, do you know who I am? And they are nothing. I was shooting pool with a friend once, and he used to wear this cream-colored beret. We didn't, we are not, you know, you know, and then this fight broke up, and my friend is so fond of saying, do you know who I am? Oh, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? And so these guys chilled out because they thought he was something. (laughs) Amen. So we left. We didn't know, you know, there was more to life than (laughs) all those things. Only to find out that they were cultists. And when my friend said, do you know who I am? They went to find out who he was. And they found out he was nothing. Amen. You know where they came to look for him? In church. Ah, we begged though. <laughs> we started to call on connections. Please go and beg them. We are nothing. <laughs> this cap... He said, I will stop wearing, I will never wear this cap again. We didn't know anything about colors. We did nothing. Innocent young boys having fun. <laughs> Hallelujah. It takes a gift of special faith to walk up to a cultist and dare that person. Amen. It takes a gift of special faith. You know the kind of bosses some of you have. It takes a gift of special faith to walk into his office, open his door. You think, you think Esther walked into the king's presence uh, uh, with nothing? She was not meant to show up in his presence. At that point in time, she was meant to die. She said, if I perish, I perish. You see what I'm talking about? That's special faith. That one is not, Father, you know, praying tongues a bit for five minutes and... Mm-mm. It's a burst. It's when you finish it, you wonder what happened. How it happened. How did I do this? You know this was not you. Some examples. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den in Daniel chapter 6. And he was full of peace. Somebody tell me that was just ordinary faith. You know there was a man in uh, Ibadan once. Who thought he had the gift of special faith? Amen. So he, they didn't even throw this one. He climbed in. <laughs> That's a gift of special foolishness. <laughs> Amen. So this man climbs into the lion's den. And he's saying things and he believes, oh, like Daniel. See, gift of special faith. They don't teach you. You understand? You don't prepare for it. You don't say, ah, this is 8 o'clock. Remind me at 4 o'clock, I need to walk in the gift of special faith. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Daniel is thrown into a lion's den because the situation and the circumstance at that time required that he be thrown into a lion's den. 
and he's full of peace. In fact, the, book, the way the book of Bible story showed us, the lion was lying down and then Daniel was sleeping. <laughs> Amen. That book of Bible story, God help. <laughs> that showed us all sorts of things. And Daniel was asleep. It takes something special to be in a den of lions. Some of you right now on your job are in a lion's den. God will give you the gift of special faith. You will come out of that situation unscathed and untouched and even promoted in the name of Jesus. If it takes you, it, it may take you walking into your boss's office. Amen. I know he's the lion of the tribe of your office. And one day something just, go, go and talk to him. And you get up. If I perish, I perish. And you're shocked what comes out of it. I remember I saved my class once in the UK. We had an open, they call it open book exam. It was my first open book exam. So we're all looking forward to it. We heard there's actually an exam you can write with your textbook. What's the point reading for that? <laughs> Amen. So we all, you know, went into that exam and we had our open book. But man... That thing was worse than a closed book exam. <laughs> like, what is this? You know, we thought they would just ask us the question. We look for the, the chapter and the verse. Sorry, chapter and the verse. No, the, the chapter. Sorry. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my God, that was some nasty exam. And as God would have it, I passed. Just. You know what they call, I passed ish. <laughs> Amen. I passed just. And I'm sure about 70% of my class failed. And you know what I did? I walked up to the lecturer. And I convinced her why she should pass the whole class. It doesn't just happen in Nigeria. <laughs> why she should pass the whole class. And she agreed and she passed the whole class. I was the savior of my class. Amen. I died on the cross for my class. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus praying at Gethsemane. Matthew 26 and verse 39. Listen, the Bible says that his sweat was as drops of blood. Just try to think of what situation Jesus was in at the Garden of Gethsemane. It's one thing if you don't know what's coming next. It's another thing you know what's coming next. And when they came to carry him, he yielded himself to the will of God. That takes special faith. Somebody clap for Jesus. Oh, that takes some special faith. To the point that they cut off one of the guard's ears. Jesus took it. There's no time to fight. Let's go. <laughs> and he went. See, if God played that. You know the video we showed on Sunday. Uh, during the Via Dolorosa song. When Jesus was being whipped and all that. If God showed you that video. And said, this is the life you are going to live. Oh, now that you've come to give your life to me. <laughs> Somebody said when I gave my life. They told me everything would be fine. They just didn't tell me when. So this is the life you're going to live, oh. 
say, ah, Jesus, what? Anything. That video? No, ah, let's discuss it. <laughs> let's talk about it. Father, let's apply wisdom. <laughs> See, what would get Jesus to the point, despite the fact that he knew what his assignment was, to ask Jesus, Father, if it's possible, let this cup. Ah, this cup is heavy. Yet, not your will, not my will, but yours be done. I believe after that prayer, he started to operate in the gift of special faith. It took a lot. It took a lot. In spite of all the beating and all the hitting and all that, he didn't die. Carried his cross. The bullet they will shoot you with. To the hill. And was killed on that cross. Okay? So I wrote here, I said it almost sounds like boldness. But it's a divine form of boldness. It's divine. See, this is not, sorry to use the word, the Yoruba word again. This is not, no, I'll use English. This is not bold face. You get what I'm saying? No, it's not. It's different. You know bold face when you, when you see bold face. This one is divine. It's a burst of faith. It, 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 it's like an extra to fulfill an assignment. The gift of working of miracles. In John chapter 2, I'll read some scripture to us. I won't read the text, but you can write it down. John chapter 2, verses 7 to 9, you see Jesus turning water into wine. In John chapter 6, verse 11, you see Jesus multiplying the loaves and the fish. In John chapter 6 and verse 19, you see Jesus walking on water. You know two gifts I believe were prominent in the life of Jesus. The gift of, the gift of miracles and the gifts of healings. Go through the Gospels, you see that all the time in Jesus' ministry. In 1 Samuel chapter 17... Verses 34 to 36. The Bible says, David said unto Saul, Your servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him. And I smote him. And I delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard. And I smote him. And I slew him. Your servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them seen he has defiled the armies of the living God. Now let me say quickly that many a times uh, uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit seem to fall upon each other. Because you can also almost call this the gift of faith. Hallelujah. The, 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 the power gifts many a times will seem to overlap. This guy is saying a lion came, uh, took a lamb from my father's flock, I ran after it. Check that out. We will say, ah, the lion is gone. Thank God. Let it take the lamb. Just go. Just go. Thank God. He said, I ran after the lion. I said, chief, mm, not today. That's not yours. Now, that's miraculous. Jesus turning water into wine at a party. They say the wine is finished. He said, bring water. <laughs> take the water. Go and serve the host of the party. And the guy drinks his, ah, where have you kept this wine all the while? That's a miracle. Hallelujah. That's a miracle. 
Go to the gifts of healings. The gifts of healings. The gifts of healings. Now I wrote here, healing is a demonstration of the love of God. And this is why this gift was seen continually in the ministry of Jesus. Love is a force, and I want you to hear this. Love is a force that provokes the gifts of the Spirit. Love is a force that provokes the gifts of the Spirit. The Bible says that faith worketh by love. If faith is a car, love is the ignition system. If faith is a car, love is the engine. You look at the life of Jesus, you find out that many a times, in most cases, miracles were provoked because of compassion. In your personal uh, 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 ministry, in your life, if you have walked in any of the gifts of the Spirit, you will understand better the place of love in the gifts of the Spirit. The place of mercy, the place of having a soft heart. Why? It provokes. Listen, when pastor has prayed and he has fasted, and he's saying, Lord, I'm going to deliver a word to your people. Give me a word for them. Listen, that in itself is an act of love. You know what then happens? Somebody comes in the auditorium, yeah, who is trusting God for something and has prayed. See, people talk about, people talk about why should we pray in tongues in church? The Bible says it is for self-edification. We pray in tongues in church to edify self and increase the level of the corporate anointing in the atmosphere. One will chase a thousand. Two will put 10,000 to flight. What about 500? So what we do is we come together, edify self, and then we then sit down and we preach God's word. We allow the gifts to flow. We allow the word of knowledge. We allow God to say things through us. And somebody is in the auditorium whose faith level has reached here. And he has said, God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And that faith pulls something out of the preacher. And the preacher gets home and says, ah, did I say this on tape? Amen. Believe me, we listen to our tapes sometimes. And wow, I said this thing. Huh? When did I say it? Or somebody comes to you. Last week you said, Pastor, you were saying this. I did. A lot of things work by love. Every gift will come or will find full expression where love. You cannot afford to be selfish. This is not about you, was never about you, will never be about you. It's about edifying the body of Christ. It's about building up the body. So I said love is a force that provokes the gifts of the spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is between 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. 12 talks about the gifts of the spirit. 14 talks about the demonstration or the application of the gifts of the spirit. In between those two is love. I believe that love is the basis upon which the gifts rest. And you particularly see this in demonstration where the gifts of healings are concerned. James said in James chapter 5 from the 13th verse, Is any afflicted amongst you? Let him pray. Is any sick? 
sorry, is any, uh, is any merry, let him uh, uh, sing psalms. Is any sick, let him call for the elders. Let them pray for him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will heal the sick and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed any sins, they will be forgiven him. Then he said, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. The effectual fervent prayer of the man who is in right standing with God availeth much. So sometimes what keeps you from operating fully in the gifts of the Spirit is that you're walking in malice concerning someone else. Is that you're walking in unforgiveness. Those things will cause spiritual block. Have you been at home before and your pipe was blocked? And they said there's something we need to get out. Exactly. It happens in the spirit. This person is not, is not sending out. He's not drawing in. Something is blocking. Why? Because you've gotten a lot of toxic stuff into you. You are not walking in love. Unforgiveness. Malice. In Mark chapter 11 and verse 23, where it says, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that what whatsoever is said shall uh, come to pass, he shall have whatsoever is said. He then says that, uh, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. Check that out. He's just talking about faith. Say unto this mountain, be thou cast into the sea, and it will be cast into the sea. When you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against any, that your father also that is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, get all the junk out. It's blocking the gift of the spirit. It's blocking your expressions. Some of us is born out of our past experiences, you know, past abuse, things that happened to us when we were younger, and those things have become strongholds. I was counseling someone this morning. I said every stronghold starts with a foothold. The Bible says give no place or give no foothold to the devil lest he take advantage of you. When you want to climb a high mountain, you first look for a foothold. Ah, where can I put mine? And then you get it, and then you start to look for one for your hands. And gradually, you start to move up. You start to move up. You start to move up. And some things have moved up in our lives, and we haven't thrown them out. Now they've become food, uh, strongholds. And those strongholds will negate the gift of God that is within you. Can I hear an amen? There's the gift of prophecy. Prophecy, this is a bit of a definition. Prophecy is a regulated message or report in human words, usually made to the gathered believers. It is based on spontaneous personal revelation from the Holy Spirit for the purpose of edification, exhortation, and comfort, or conviction and guidance. I believe that it is a powerful gift that is re- related to several other gifts of the Spirit. The gift of prophecy is particularly, re- particularly related to the gifts of revelation um, uh, in in. Uh, which is the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. You will find out many a times in the operation of the gift of prophecy that those things seem to come into play. So there's a bit of the word of knowledge and a bit of the word of wisdom where God is saying what was or what is or what is about to come or bringing clarity to things that were previously unclear. Hallelujah. 
So someone is walking up to you. I was praying for a lady after service last week. She came to me and said, Pastor, uh, while you were preaching, the Lord said to me to ask you to pray for me. I said, what is your prayer point? She said, I don't know. Okay, then let's just pray. The minute I laid my hands on her, I went into a word. I, went, I started to give a prophecy. Hallelujah. And she started to cry. And I knew straight away that the Holy Spirit was involved in this. I wasn't just praying a prayer. And then the word of knowledge came and the word of wisdom. And when she opened her eyes, I said, I believe that the Lord asked you to tell me to pray for you. And she said, yeah, I know. Hallelujah. Amen. So the gift of prophecy, it is for edification, for exhortation, and for comfort. Now, that is very important. Prophecy is not coming to tell you you are going to die. God's word does not say you are going to die. No, it says you are going to live to declare the works of the Lord. That's what it says. So somebody comes and says, oh, you, you know, uh, this, 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 you are going to... Of course, now listen, this is different from the office of a prophet. That's separate. I'm talking about the gift of prophecy that can be evident in the life of every believer. It is for edification for exhortation. To edify means to build up. To exhort means to inspire. Or comfort or consolation. So what happens is that somebody is down in the spirit. He's just gone through a tough patch in his life. And somebody comes. And he says, I don't know what you're going through. But the Lord asked me to tell you. That he's going to, uh, he's going to strengthen the knees that are weak. He's going to raise the hands that hang down. And that those that, are like David, uh, sorry, those that are weak will become like David. Those that are like David will become like God. And he asked me to tell you that times of refreshing are going to come from the presence of the Lord. And the things that are troubling you will become a testimony in times ahead of you. And that God will be glorified in the things that you, you do. And indeed, he will order your steps concerning this and concerning that. And the person leaves that place and he feels better. Hallelujah. If someone gives you a prophecy and you feel fearful, it is a wrong prophecy. Reject it in the name of Jesus. You have every right to reject it. Paul said, now listen to this. The thing about the gifts of the Spirit is that they are, they are fallible. That's why Paul said, let two or three prophesy. Let others judge what is said or evaluate what is said. If I run water through a dirty pipe, no matter how clean the water is, it may come out dirty. Did somebody get that? Good. That's why we fast. That's why we take time to separate ourselves to be with God. It's like you're washing the pipe. Fasting is not about God. Fasting is not going to speed up, you know. It's not going to let God get out of his throne and run around and panic. No, no, no. But when you fast and you pray and you stay in the presence of God, then his gifts are expressed better through you. That's why nobody, nobody, nobody takes a sovereign place by being gifted. No. All of those things are meant to come in to building the body of Christ. So he said in, in Revelation chapter 19 verse 10, he says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Prophecy is an awareness of spiritual truth. It functions with the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. God begins to speak to us, I've said this before, about things that are or things that are to come. He may bring clarity to things that were previously unclear. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the 29th verse, Paul said, let two or three prophesy and let others judge, let others weigh, let others evaluate what is said. In 1 Corinthians, the same 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and the 31st verse, he says, For you can all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be encouraged. 
So we can all prophesy. Somebody say, I can prophesy. Hallelujah. What happens ideally in what we call a believer's meeting? That's why I said to you, read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. In chapter 14, you will see a believer's meeting where believers come together and the gifts of the Spirit are in full manifestation. People have prayed ahead. People have fasted ahead. And they have said to God, I want you to use me in this meeting. And what happens that is that those who have the gift of prophecy come forth and they believe that I believe that the Lord is saying this, concerning this and concerning that. And everybody else is listening. Hallelujah. When we were growing, we, we developed these things. They didn't fall on us. Hallelujah. They didn't fall on us. You, you can't go wrong. But you should be bold enough to start to express the gift that God has placed within you. So you're, you're, you're speaking in prophecy. And you're saying this is what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, that, that, that. And people are, people are listening. Every now and then, a, 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 let me use the word senior prophet. But a more mature believer can call you and say, brother, so, so, and so, thank God for the word God spoke to you. But I think in this area and this area, you may have gotten it wrong. That is where humility comes in, in the gifts of the spirit. You are not so gifted that no one can speak to you. Hallelujah. You are not so gifted that no one can speak to you. Many a times, listen, I remember the very first words, yeah, that Pastor Godman told me. After the very first message, official message, I mean, I preached to my pillow before, to my mirror in the room, but the very first time he said to me, take the service. I'm talking almost 20 years ago. I still remember the first things he told me after I preached. You see, because preaching is also a form of prophecy. Hallelujah. Remember the very first things he told me uh, after I preached, and it was about not tending to schools of thought. Don't criticize this person or criticize that person or say this person. He probably doesn't even remember. Or say, this is what this person thinks I think is wrong. He says, no, just preach the undiluted word. Open the Bible and preach what it says. And that blessed me. And I've never forgotten it. Put your hands together for my pastor. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. Lastly, the gifts of tongues with interpretation. I want to put those two together. The gifts of tongues with interpretation. The gifts of tongues with interpretation. Let me say that tongues and interpretation is like... We have 10 Naira notes. Am I correct? Yes. And 10 Naira notes is two five Naira notes. Yeah? Good. Tongues and interpretation is like two five Naira notes where... where, where, um, uh, prophecy is like a ten naira note. I want you to read. I want to read a scripture from First uh, Corinthians, chapter fourteen. First Corinthians chapter. First Corinthians chapter fourteen. Are we there? From verse one, I think I'll read the first five verses. First Corinthians chapter thirteen, and verse five. Uh, verse 1. It says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he that speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. You see where I got that from. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. That's where I spoke about self-edification. But he who prophesies, sorry, uh, edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he that prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, 
unless indeed he interprets, a translation we say that he prays that he can interpret, that the church may also be edified. So when tongue is balanced with interpretation, you receive the same result with his edification, exhortation, and comfort. And I said that to say that tongue and interpretation is the same, or I mean, in spiritual terms, is as good as giving a prophecy. If God will speak to you in your spiritual language and then give you the gift of interpretation, it will come out to exhort, to edify, and to bless the body of Christ. So you've been in meet. Has anybody here been in a meeting before where the gift of tongue and interpretation was, was in operation? Let me see your hands. Amen. I'm going to talk to pastor. We're going to consider organizing a believers meeting sometime. Hallelujah. And somebody gets up and starts to speak in tongues. And while he's speaking in tongues, I remember once it was Pastor Busui. Pastor Busui who came about two weeks ago, himself and Reverend Femi Oduwale. They spoke in the gift of tongues and interpretation for hours. And God was that meeting blessed. And somebody is speaking in a tongue. And because you know you have the gift of interpretation. Listen, this is how it works in the body. And, and you get up and you're listening to the tongue. And straight away, an interpretation is bubbling forth within you. And you're saying, this is what I believe, brother. So, so, so is saying, the Lord will do this. He will do this. He's blessing us and he's doing this and he's doing this. And the guy continues to. But in most cases, the person who speaks in tongues will have the gift of interpretation. Otherwise, you will end up like the woman in the Kenahagin meeting who stood up and spoke in tongues for quite a while, and they were waiting. And when she finished, she said, good morning, my people. And then she sat down. And Kenahagin said, well, it seems the Lord has chosen to greet us this morning. Please let us all respond. And they said, good morning, Lord. And that was it. Hallelujah. I think that was a waste of everybody's time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Let me move quickly. We're rounding up. How do I receive the gifts of the Spirit? How do I receive the gifts of the Spirit? How do I receive the gifts of the Spirit? One of the most important steps to flowing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit is to earnestly desire. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, the 31st verse, Covet earnestly or desire earnestly the best gifts. Growing up as a young believer, I had strong desire. I remember then I saw, well, I, may, I maybe didn't know I desired the gift of teaching. But growing up as a young believer, when I would study the Bible, I would study with seven different interpretations of the Bible. I would sit in my room and I would just open different Bibles. What does this one say? What does this one say? What does this one say? I had a hunger for the word that was unusual. Strong desire is a means to receiving the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know Pastor Ayorisha Jaffo? How many people know Pastor Ayorisha Jaffo? Amen. Pastor Ayorisha Jaffo, let me see your hands. Great man of God. Um, I think he's still the president of the Pentecostal Fellowship of Nigeria. Growing up as a believer, oh my God, I so loved and I love this man of God. And I would watch his uh, meeting. I think it was called the Hour of Power or the Hour of Salvation or something like that. Hour of deliverance. And the Lord saw in my heart that I desired whatever it was upon this man's head. It took me many years to attend a meeting where he was physically. But believe you me, the first three meetings, in fact, the only three meetings that I have attended where he preached, he laid hands on me in every single one. The very first one, it was at his church in Obalende. He was preaching. He got to me. And he said, young man, stand up. And I stood up. And he laid hands on me. He said, Father, touch your son. 
Now, I believe that that took many years of desire. My heart knit with his heart. He got to where I was and he knew something was pulling him from here. Hallelujah. Amen. It takes desire. Desire. I was at another meeting in Ibado and he was preaching. And suddenly, he came to where I was and started to lay hands. And he laid hands on me. I, I pulled that man, seriously. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So desire. Desire. First Corinthians 12, 31. Covet earnestly. Earnestly. Your desire could be through prayer. It could be through study. You don't have to meet Kenneth Hagin. Read his books. You don't have to meet Kenneth Copeland. Read his books. You don't have to meet those people you see and say, God, I wish I was like this person. Get their material. Get their material. And start to read those materials. There will be a transference of spirit. The same thing that is upon their lives, you will find out, begins to operate in your life. I used to call it the anointing by radiation. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. He said again in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, desire spiritual gifts. You know, in Jeremiah 29 and verse 13, it says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all. How many? All, not half, not part of your heart but with all of your heart. Another, uh, another way listed in scripture of receiving the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So I said desire, under desire is prayer. You can just pray. Father, you know, I, I, I seem to, I just love these gifts. I want these gifts in operation in my life. I want these gifts to manifest in my life. Father, I pray by your Holy Spirit that as I walk in faith and I believe that you give me the boldness to start to walk in these gifts in my life. One of the easiest ones, believe me, is prophecy. You feel in your heart God is asking you to bless someone with a word. Please walk up to them and bless them with that word. You've prophesied. Hallelujah. The problem is we think of something spirit, super spiritual. You think of something that is going to bring you on a stage and you're going to say there's sister so, 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 and so. Who is called BC, BC in this place? Your plate number is SMK. No, nah, come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. Nah, forget about that. Start where you are. Start where you are. These things grow. These things can be built. So prayer, study, worship, whatever it is you feel, you know, will, will get you closer to these things. Study of the word. Study of, the, of, of people's materials. Number two, lay none of hands. Number one was quite pregnant. So prayer, study, and all that. Number two, laying on of hands. Paul was saying to the believers in Romans chapter 1, the 11th verse, he says, I desire to see you, or I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established or that you may be edified and that I may be encouraged together with the mutual faith of both of us. So Paul here is showing a desire to impart gifts to others and a belief that he can do so under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's very clear that Paul laid hands on Timothy to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit because we find him saying in 1 Timothy chapter 4, the, first, uh, the, uh, the 14th verse, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, 
which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Some translation we say the presbytery or the body of elders. They came together and they laid hands on Paul. And he said, when we laid hands on you, some gifts were transferred into you. And do not neglect that gift. There are so many gifted people in here, but the devil may tempt you to ne- neglect that gift. Tell your neighbor, don't neglect that gift. In 2 Timothy 1.6, he said, I remind you to stir up the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. You know what the gift of God is like sometimes? It's like coal. You know, you know, you know what we call bali, roasted, uh, roasted plantain. It's like coal in roasted plantain. You know, every now and then, the woman who is roasting the plantain will fan it. Yeah. He said, stir up the gift. A translation will say, fan into flame the gift of God that is in you. When you. How do you fan it into flame? By spending more time in prayer. By spending more time in fasting. Sometimes God will take you through a season just because he wants to work on the gifts that he has placed on your inside. How do you fan your gifts into flame? By practicing. By operating in those gifts whenever you sense it. By having faith and boldness to walk up to that person and tell them what the Spirit of God is saying to you. So Sometimes it may even come out wrong, but it takes practice. You will not become stronger in these gifts by keeping them within you and doing nothing about them. He said to him in uh, 1 Timothy 1.18, he said, I commit to you uh, this charge according to the prophecies that have gone ahead of you, but that by them thou mightest war a good warfare, holding on to faith and a good conscience. He said, some have, uh, uh, some have abandoned this and thus made a shipwreck of their faith, amongst whom are Hamenaeus and, Alex- and Alexander, whom I have handed over to the devil that he may teach them how not to blaspheme. So laying on of hands is a way by which we receive the gifts of the Spirit. Prayer is a way by which we receive the gifts of the Spirit. Study is a way by which we receive the gifts of the Spirit. When you walk in love, the gifts of the Spirit, I guarantee you, will will find expression in your life. When you walk in love, when you help people, when you have mercy, when you thank God for people's lives, when you think about others above yourselves, God will find you so useful in the ministry of the gifts of the Spirit. And in your life, God will be glorified. I pray tonight that these things will find expression in your life and that you begin to find a fuller place of ministry and that you begin to be established in the things that God has called you to. In this place, God will raise prophets. In this place, God will raise seers. In this place, God will raise people with the word of knowledge, people with the word of wisdom. God will raise people who will lay hands upon the sick and see the sick recover. In this place, God will raise people who will walk in extraordinary portions of love. In this place, God will raise believers that will pull down Goliaths that are threatening many. In this place, God will raise people who will put an arm around the sick and just that smile, just that hug, just that simple word that you said to them will cause them to recover. And in that day when we get to heaven, many people will point at you And they will say, you healed me. And you wonder, how did I heal you? They'll say, you healed me when you spoke that word to me the other day. You healed me when you said, God bless you, under an anointing of the Holy Spirit. You healed me when you put an arm around me. And you said, I don't know why I'm hugging you, but I just feel led of God to hug you at this time. That's when you healed me. And you will be joyful and you will be happy. And you will receive your crown. And that word from God saying, well done. You are my good and you are my faithful servant. God will find you faithful and his gifts will find expression in your life. 
and God will be glorified. Yeah, in